DNA, our body's instruction manual that helps us grow from a single cell to the person we are today. A twisted ladder-like molecule that holds the secret code, a code that is unique to each of us. Made up of distinct sequencing of four types of building blocks. This code holds the secret to our entire genetic makeup. Information about our health, our cells' reaction to diseases, to medicines and to aging. Unlocking this wealth of information empowers scientists and researchers to make sense of the biological world, drive discoveries and ultimately improve our understanding of life itself. But that's not an easy feat, considering how much data there is in our body. According to National Human Genome Institute, if all the DNA from a single human cell was stretched out end-to-end, -end, it would make a six-foot-long strand comprised of six billion letter code. A person's DNA contains about 750 megabytes of information. And according to a study in 2020, a total of 1.7 megabytes of data were created per second per person in the world. This scale of data needs powerful computers, algorithms, and experts with understanding of both biology and computing. In today's episode, we will learn about the world of bioinformatics, a subdiscipline of biology and computing that serves to acquire, store, and analyze biological data. This is Career Calling, and I'm your host, Pratibha Pandit. My guest today is Tolga Turan, a computational biology scientist specialized in cancer, immunological, and metabolic diseases research. Tolga holds a PhD in molecular biology and biochemistry, and today he shares with us how he combined his love for computer science and biology in his career. Hi, Tolga. Welcome to Career Calling. Hi, Pratibha. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited about this topic because I've heard from a handful of parents, their children, when they're in high school, they start off saying that I don't want to do anything with computer science or I don't want to learn coding and they go into the biology line and a couple of years or maybe even sooner into their undergrad, they realize they need to learn some sort of programming. So yeah. let's start by giving some insight into how computation and biology intersect. What are the applications where computation comes into picture in biotech? Thank you, Pratipa. Yes, in our age, like every field, biological sciences uh, depend heavily on computation. Mm -hmm. Your audience and you might have heard the terms personalized medicine, precision medicine. These are terms indicating that we are now in a new era uh, of medical era where the patients are treated not by their symptoms or the patients are not grouped by their symptoms and give one treatment-fits-all approach, but the patients are treated by their genomes, by their individual characteristics. Uh, and um, for on, on the case of oncology, which my field is, um, each tumor is different. Although you might say, this is a lung cancer patient, let's treat it as we treat lung cancer patients. But every lung cancer patient is indeed different and can only be uh, disentangled by the use of uh, personalized medicine and precision medicine. And I think it's fair to say that uh, this is possible by computational biology. 
because when you sequence um, an individual's genome, it's a huge amount of data and, and this cannot be analyzed by visually, manually, or even spreadsheet. You have to use computational biology and that's where computational biology comes in. This is not the only segment that computational biology is functional in the, in the biological sciences. But more recently, in the last 15 years, with the advance of next generation sequencing technologies, uh, computational biology is, is very focused on omics, by which I mean genomics, transcriptomics, epigenomics, proteomics, etc. So that, that's my field, but there are other areas that computational biology plays in. As a computational biologist, can you give a little bit of insight into what does the work involve? Starting with which type of organizations they work in and what does that role entail? Yeah, great question. The organizations, I can divide maybe into roughly three buckets. One of them is academia. Mm -hmm. In academia, there are resource centers that, that work on cutting edge research problems where computational biology is a very fundamental unit of the research groups. Uh, and the second is in industry, and industry can be divided into a few sub-buckets. And one of those biotechnology, uh, and uh, in biotechnology field, computational biology is used to generate tools and, and platforms that either academic resource scientists or pharmaceutical resource scientists use. And these are essentially platforms and tools and databases that are useful to answer biological questions. And in the third bucket, which I mean, is a pharmaceutical area where we use computational biology databases, tools, systems to understand a disease and improve human health. So th these are three main buckets. And, and, and in the first part of the question, what, what does a computational biology role involve? That can be summarized by, first and foremost, domain knowledge is very important in computational biology. Uh, you have to know uh, your domain in the oncology field, um, and this can be immunology, neuroscience, microbiome, bioinformatics, etc. But you, you have to know your biology well to better understand or to better reach your goals. In, in the day-to-day -day work, program computer, obviously, it can be surprising to hear, but I can say quite a bit of our time is cleaning data and making data suitable or uh, applicable to our purpose. It might be surprising that um, tweaking and cleaning data can take so much time, but it is. Um, but once you clean and um, perfect your data, then you can test your hypothesis. Mm -hmm. So would you consider yourself a biologist first and then a computer science engineer or the vice versa? Yes, great question. Uh, so there are uh, computational biologists who came from a uh, software engineering background, more co uh, computer science background. And there are co um, bioinformaticians that are coming from more biological background, molecular biology, genetics background. And maybe there are a third group where they, they have formal education of both. So I, I am coming from a more um, molecular biology, genetics, more uh, core biology background, uh, and I consider myself uh, the first um, that you mentioned. Each of these groups and each of these career path journeys have different things to bring in the table, and each can be 
really functional and uh, successful bioinformatics uh, journeys. Some of the job positions and some of the job applications can have different flavors. An employer might, might have in, in their mind, I'm looking at a really strong biological background, but also someone who also can do data analysis. So there are different variations and nuances between these three groups. I think coming from a software engineering background, you can have different things to bring to the table and the other way as well. Yeah, all, all three groups can be really successful by implementations. That's interesting that uh, someone from general purpose software engineering background can come in. How do they layer in the biology uh, knowledge in that case? Yeah, uh, great question. So coming from a software background, uh, yeah. one example could be entering into the workforce in a biotechnology or pharmaceutical industry. And using your strengths in the software engineering background to contribute. Sometimes uh, you learn while you're doing it um, and you get accustomed to the biotechnology field and pharmaceutical field. And, uh, and you really like the area. You really like the question you answer, contributing to human health. So these are very important things and can really drive a, a person and to learn biology. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Now, you touched upon it a little bit about the domain expertise and all of that. What are the other skills necessary to be successful in this field? If you could also touch upon the types of data analysis, like what kind of a computation skills are used overall? What are some of the skills that are required? So one, um, one important skill set that I could consider must is a foundational math and stats skills. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you don't have to have a graduate level uh, calculus knowledge. I think knowing your math, like a very uh, strong foundational math and statistic knowledge is important. I think also conceptual, obviously we are working on computers and we are not necessarily interacting with something tangible. In the case of bank science, I came from, you work with something tangible. You work with enzymes, you work with DNA. These are tangible things that you interact with. And in computational biology, most of the things we work are conceptual and the algorithms we develop, the new bioinformatician will have to work with those conceptual ideas and sometimes visualize things. Once you start from data, your endpoint and coming from point A to point B sometimes requires those conceptual thinking and abstract thinking, you could say. Can you double click on the data analysis part of it? What are the softwares, maybe the programming language, what data analysis skills are required? Yeah, so I, I mostly use high-level computational languages, uh, but uh, usually uh, computational language preference is, is, not, uh, is not strict. You can use anything, uh, in, any type of language. Um, you can use low-level languages, high-level languages. But in terms of data analysis, I can give them some examples. For example, clinical data. And a patient receiving a pharmaceutical drug has, let's say, if the drug is working, if the drug has, has causing any response, any kind of treatment success with the patient. These kind of data points are very important in a setting where um, researchers use those data points to, to drive their next steps to drive their drug discovery process. And so when we receive those kind of data, we look at the data, clean the data, QC the data, and 
and then try to list our hypotheses. I think that's very important uh, to do a hypothesis-driven exploration because if you don't know what you're asking or if you don't know what you're looking at, you can just go into the data and look at, oh, this is interesting, this is interesting. But if you have this question in mind, you can test the hypothesis. It might be positive, it might be negative. And, and if it's negative, you can find another one. If it's positive, oh, this is very interesting. You can build upon that. That's This uh, is a summary a data analysis okay. we do. Are the tools and coding used in the biotech the same as the rest of the field? Python or other yeah. tools yep. are the same? Yeah we, yeah, we use Python, we use R, we use C++. So these are all languages that are applicable in software engineering. In I, I don't know different high-tech companies uh, that use, and then you also use the same tools, yes. <laughs> I noticed that in your education journey, you have a focus on molecular biology all along, all the way through your PhD. At what point did you pick up the data analysis skills? More generically, I wanted to understand when you, when somebody is studying biotech, is computation or data analysis usually offered as a coursework, or is this something that people can pick up outside of it? Yes. When I was in college, there were courses that were offered and I took those courses and I enjoyed them. But maybe touching upon my journey a little bit, maybe I can start from early on. When I was in high school, I didn't know a field called computational biology existed at all. What I knew was I love computers. I love computer games. I love everything about computer science. So my plan was going into computer science field in my undergrad. And at the time, genetics was opening in the universities back in Turkey. And I, um, I really liked the idea of exploration, of, of the sense of wonder that comes with the term uh, genetics. It comes with the idea of uh, cell, uh, your DNA, uh, your, your genome. These are Picked my interest. Uh, I, I want to do something about this. So instead of computer science, I picked in molecular biology and genetics department. And then along the way, uh, I didn't have an idea that I will work on computational biology. So if your audience um, doesn't know or, or sometimes uncertainty and, and anxiety uh, can happen uh, when a high school student uh, wants to choose their topic. Uh, so um, at that point, sometimes you don't know uh, what, what's going to happen. But I think going with the flow and, and, and believing things will turn out well, uh, I think is, is good. So, yeah, uh, after my undergrad, I came to the United States to pursue my PhD education. And molecular biology and genetics is a bench science for the most part, especially in, in the training and grad school and postdoctoral studies. And I wasn't a good bench scientist. I wanted to be in science. I really loved conceptual ideas. I really loved discovering things. Uh, I, I really loved the field in general. However, I wasn't a good bench scientist. After my second postdoc, I was in a microarray lab, which necessarily involves data analysis. Initially, I was doing it by analyzing Excel sheets, etc. And we have a bioinformatician in the labs by osmosis, by Slowly getting interacting with them, I learned that data analysis can exist in biological sciences. So, uh, in, in a few steps, I made my journey uh, to towards computational biology data analysis. 
And to your question about what are the resources, I think a lot of resources available, even if there's no coursework involved in a, in a biological scientist um, education. Uh, right now in our age, you can't find anything um, in web. There are online courses. Several of them, I, I, I took a while, a specialization course uh, related to bioinformatics. So if, if one is interested, I think in our mm-hmm. age, there's no excuse. I don't have coursework. Everything's available. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessary that in, in the process of your formal education, whether it is your master's or PhD, you must have taken coursework. As long as you have acquired the skill, you still have a path to become. Yes, that is correct. And that, that I'm living evidence to that. And also, there are nowadays computational courses and bioinformatics courses are more and more embedded in biological curriculums, more than my time there. Mm-hmm. That's true. Now, you touched upon it. I wanted to get a little bit of more understanding. Maybe people who are already in the biotech may get this better, but for the younger audience, I want to get the different career paths. Like I've heard from my other friends in biotech as well, these terms bench work or informatics or research. Can you touch a little bit upon what are the different paths? Like how do they differ for the layman? Yeah. And and so bench work, as I mentioned, is uh, is dealing with the experimental component of biological research, biological sciences. And, and that's a fundamental aspect of biological domain. However, it's not for everyone. And in my opinion, even if you, you choose the f- route to go to a real full-fledged molecular biologist on the bench, etc., I think knowing data analysis could help every bench scientist, every biological scientist. Because not everything can be analyzed through Excel. Not everything can be analyzed visually. So even if you have a bioinformatician in your group, even if you have someone to ask your computational biology questions, I think knowing a certain level of data analysis would help a biological scientist. Other areas are like research and in general, you can divide biological sciences, uh, maybe roughly a bank science and, and a computation. Um, you have specialized in molecular biology. What are the other possibilities? What are the other areas one can go into? Yes, um, molecular biology and genetics could be one. And other majors that one can pursue and end up in bioinformatics could include Mathematical sciences, statistics, software engineering, computer science, and even medical doctors end up doing data analysis. Even physical sciences, chemistry gives you a foundation. Later, you can build a pond to become up. In other fields, say software industry or anywhere, a typical path from college education, you're required your formal degree, you're required all these skills. Typically, the path to workforce is doing internships. In some uh, fields, uh, you also have to have some portfolio if you're in, let's say, some sort of a design or those type of uh, work, uh, including even data analysis. I've seen people build their portfolio. How does it work if somebody wants to be a computational biologist? What are the things other than the formal education they should build up to get that helps them get into the workforce? Young students in high school or in college, I would certainly advise to to do internships, you know, to do co-op opportunities. 
Um, first, they let uh, students uh, to interact with, with the pharmaceutical industry, biotechnology industry. How is it in reality to become a bioinformatician? And sometimes this is missing from the coursework, and you don't actually get the actual the field study where um, what's happening in a biotechnology research pharmaceutical research group. So to experience that firsthand can be done when we're in church. And second advantage is if you prove yourself during your internship and uh, the company is very interested in you compared to someone that they don't have any interaction, I think internships can help you going to the workforce quite easily. You must have hired people, especially juniors from college. What do you look for? And the, the, there is a education component, but are there any personality traits? For somebody to be successful in this field, what do you look for? So growing up, I considered in this field of science, communication is not it's a vital. You might think, okay, I know my science well, I know my math well, I know my algorithms coding well, I don't need communication. And that is not true. And I learned that quite intensely where even if you do like a really good work, really million dollar work in your job, if you cannot communicate it to the other side, doesn't have value. I think communication can be learned even if you're introvert. I think those skills also can be learned. Other than that, being able to work with others. And, and one thing I might add is actually might be the most important is the learning attitude, like lifetime learning attitude. Because in, in the coursework, although it is up to date, you, you, you go to top-notch uh, university, do your PhD, you cannot learn everything through coursework. Being open to learning, being open to um, new things, because every other day there's a new competition analysis package comes along, there's new ways to analyze data, and, and sometimes in your job, your team says, okay, there's a new area we need to work on, you're assigned to that. And at that point, if you say, I don't know this, and if you say, I don't know this, but I can learn. That brings you forward. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. That makes sense. I think this this is something that emerges in every field. As I speak to a lot of professionals, the communication yeah. and then uh, being able to keep them updated. Yeah. One question I had related to education was, I have often seen professionals in the biotech field having PhD. For someone to be a computational biologist, is it a must or can they start a career even after, let's say, master's or even undergrad? I think um, to be a computational biologist, PhD is not a must. There are very successful bioinformaticians, computational biologists that have some master's or, or, or bachelor's degree. I have to say having a PhD um, gives you a better eye in looking at things and and also gives you a head start. Obviously, you spent six years and, and now you have a head start. But I, I think I strongly suggest someone who wants to be a biological scientist considering PhD. And sometimes if they are not sure because that's a big investment um, based on time and other sacrifices, you, you can start um, a bioinformatics position after your master's or, or bachelor's. And I have seen several examples of that. They start after bachelor's or master's and they decide to pursue PhD afterwards. And that makes you evaluate, do I need a PhD or can I just start from it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great. Now, let's 
go back a little bit further to younger students, like high school students, or maybe even sometimes these days, middle school students who <laughs> are pretty aware of start uh, looking at what they want to do. College admissions are becoming, you know, ever competitive, increasingly at every stage. For that age group who are probably still green on a lot of things, what exists, what are some of the things for them to familiarize or if they have inclination towards biology or maybe a little bit of computing, they don't know some of the things that they can do at that group. Yeah. So one thing is costing internships because there are companies that also takes in high school students as internships. If they're interested in an area, but they're not sure, there are different ways of getting more information about that field. I think being proactive is good. Sometimes a shy high school students might not be inclined to get information, but I think being proactive, let's say you have a neighbor, a competition biology scientist in a company, just reaching out to them, um, maybe a relative, just learning as much as possible, not only computational biology, but also other fields that are considered, getting as much information as possible and, and not Everything can be learned by reading. I think reading is very important and getting books, getting uh, learning things from web are good, but you can do so much by reading. You cannot, you cannot learn everything by reading. So one additional advice that I have is there are podcasts like this one, and there are also resources that they can listen while they're driving, while they're biking. I think being proactive, getting access to information, what it's like to be a computational biologist. For example, after I decided that bioinformatician, before my first job, I knew data analysis, I knew coding, but I never been a really full-fledged bioinformatician. I looked at podcasts. There are several podcasts related to bioinformatics. I looked at books. A really nice book that gives a general overview. So getting as much information as possible uh, would help them. I think starting from web and doing guided searches could help. And reaching out to people uh, is helpful. Sometimes you never know someone, total stranger, could, could help. Let's say there's a professor in academia. You reach out to them. You want to learn. And a relation starts and you do an internship in his lab. So being proactive, again, I want to emphasize. Thank you, Tolga. This has really been very nice uh, speaking to you. you and uh, Thank you, uh, very informative. I'm really glad to have you on my podcast. Me too, me too. Thank you for having me. You can learn more about the field by subscribing to bioinformatics-focused podcasts such as the Bioinformatics Chat, the Bioinformatics CRO podcast, and many more. To learn data skills relevant for a biologist, refer to Bioinformatics Data Skills by Vince Buffalo and From Cell Line to Command Line by Ming Tang. You can also hear more from Tolga on science, spirituality and music on his blog, Where Science Flourishes. This is Career Calling and I'm your host, Pratibha Pandit. Thank you for tuning in.